Great stuff. Okay, so I want to continue um, speaking. Um, we've done a series. It's now the part five of this series. I want to continue speaking about theo- from theology to reality. Still got some more stuff that God uh, wants to draw out of that, I believe. So Wendy spoke last week. Great message on hosts in the presence of God. That was awesome. So thank you for that. So let's carry that message as well in our hearts. Let's be good hosts of the presence of God. I will touch on that as well a bit more this morning. But yeah, let's, let's move from theology to reality. So theology, we understand about, about God. Theology is about the knowledge of God. We, we know about God. We know about how he works. But God wants it to become a reality in our lives. Otherwise, all we're doing is becoming more knowledgeable, aren't we? You know, and, and knowledge of God is a good thing. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But God just wants us just to become more knowledgeable about him he wants that to be a reality an everyday reality in our in our lives amen what we believe it needs to outwork in our lives amen needs to become on a daily basis to be an everyday reality this is what is what god means to me and this this is how it outworks in, in my life this is, this is how it changes me because otherwise if we just talk about knowledge of god it just again just becomes religion doesn't it it's it's, it's, it's you know, as Christians, we, we talk about this, don't we? The difference between religion and relationship. The world misunderstands this uh, to a large extent. Because when you, if you say as a Christian you're not religious, it, like, you can see the confusion in their eyes. Kind of, um, like, what do you say you believe in God? How can you not be religious? Okay, but we, we don't believe that Christianity is a religion. God, Jesus didn't come to form a religion. right? It was all about relationship with, with him. It was, no, it was never God's intention, for, even for Judaism and Christianity, to two separate faiths. You know, the very roots of Christianity is, is Judaism, isn't it? Jesus, Jesus was a Jew. All the disciples were Jews. Paul was a Jew. The entire Bible was written by people who were Jewish, right? That's just reality. Judaism is the very, very heart of, of uh, you know, the very uh, root of Christianity. You know, we're, we're spiritual descendants of Abraham, is what the Apostle, Apostle Paul says. So it's not God's in, in intention even for that to be two separate faiths, but obviously a number, whole number of Jews, and particularly the Jewish leaders, didn't accept that Jesus was the Messiah, but of course the disciples and a whole lot of other people had a revelation uh, of who Jesus was. Amen? But, but for Christianity isn't intended to be a religion. That was never God's intention. It's about relationship with him. Remember, the whole, judicial, uh, the whole Jewish system, sorry, and the whole uh, kind of system of sacrifice, remember, was all about pointing towards Jesus and the need for Jesus, the need for a Messiah to deal with our sins once and for all. Amen? Amen. So, and, and a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about Jesus, and we've been talking about, about the Trinity, about the fact that we understand as Christians that the God is, is one in three persons. We believe in one God. We certainly don't believe in three gods. We believe in, believe in, in one God. We believe that God is, God is expressed in three different ways, three different persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you can see this right throughout Scripture. Um, Trinity is all a bit mysterious in how God works. I think if we could fathom everything the way everything about how God works, then He'd kind of no longer be God, right? It is all a bit mysterious how it works, okay? But we understand this is a, this is a reality, amen. And, and right, and you see it throughout Scripture. Look in the very first uh, verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Amen. We believe that God created everything, amen. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So, in in, in theological terms, is is a thing that is often called like the law of first mention, where you go back to look, if you want to understand something about God, you look at where it's first mentioned in the Bible. So here we are, literally, first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. The word God, for the God there is not Jehovah, it's not, not Yahweh, it's, it's Elohim. Elohim is a, is a, is a plural word, so it's talking about, about the Trinity here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it talks specifically about the Holy Spirit there. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
Amen? So a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Jesus and what Jesus has done for us, God the Son, what he's done for us. We looked particularly about us, that we've been blessed in the heavenly realms, every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's in Ephesians 1, 3. And that's what we've received through the divine exchange of the cross. Amen? And God wants us to live in that reality. And we talk specifically about spiritual freedom. There's lots of spiritual blessings that Christ has given us through the cross. Um, you, you know, we could talk a whole year just on those. But the one we specifically looked at is about that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Do not let yourself, again, be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Jesus' intention for us is to live free. We live free from the power of sin. And that was the main thing that we were talking about. So if you didn't get a chance to, if you weren't here that morning, I'd encourage you to listen to that. You can get us on Spotify, Family Church website, other places. Great stuff. So Jesus' intention for us to live free. And we talked, in previous weeks, we talked about the Father, the heart of God. So today I want to move on to God, the Holy Spirit. And talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit outworks, how God wants us to outwork in our, in our lives. So the Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father and, and God the Son. Amen? Everyone agree? You know, the reality is, sometimes this is the Holy Spirit gets a little bit neglected when we talk about the Trinity. Maybe because the Holy Spirit is a little bit more mysterious. We find it a little bit more, less, I don't know, a little bit less tangible. I don't know. Because you see, God is a father. Well, yeah, I can understand the principle of father and creator. And Jesus, well, Jesus was a human. He was on the earth 2,000 years ago. But the Holy Spirit is kind of, well, it's all just a bit mysterious. And sometimes I, I, I genuinely think this is the Holy Spirit almost gets a, a little bit neglected. And it's like God the Father and then the Son. is like, well, the Holy Spirit just kind of, I don't know what that is <laughs> over here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But the Holy Spirit is just as important. In fact, Jesus was, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he did things in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20, says that the Holy Spirit, when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. We are, the Holy Spirit is resident within us. This is what Paul wrote. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So our bodies are literally temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in me. The Holy Spirit resides in you. Amen? Now, first thing just to mention on that is the Holy Spirit can only live in a clean vessel. Everyone agree with that? Holy Spirit can only live in a clean vessel. And this, 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 should, this should encourage you because the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside you, that, that is proof, that is evidence that you've been made clean. It's evidence that you have been made new, that you are righteous, that you are holy, and that you are clean. Now, obviously, there has been outworking of this, that we should live holy lives, etc. But, but this is all because of the cross. Now, the reality is, because of the cross, and if we, if we need to confess things, then let's get that sorted out with God. But because of the cross, you cannot be any more righteous than you are right now. Amen. You cannot be any more holy than you are right now. If you're trying to make us, we should, should, have, we should live holy lives, absolutely. But if you're trying to make yourself more holy, to try and get kind of some acceptance from God, you're missing the point. Because it's all because of the cross. Otherwise we're, otherwise, we're trying to earn it again. It's all about religion, right? You cannot be more clean than you are right now because the Holy Spirit can only live in a clean vessel. Amen? So that's, that's encouraging, isn't it? We are a brand new creation because we've, spiritually we've been made new. We've been born again, as the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit can dwell within us. He can only live in, in, in a clean and, and righteous vessel. Amen? Praise God. So let's just live in that righteousness and that, and that holiness. 
You're a brand new creation. So what does it mean in reality that we are temples of the Holy Spirit? Well, firstly, we, we host the presence of God. So, so literally, where we go, the Holy Spirit goes. So following on from Wendy was saying about hosting the presence of God, everywhere we go, we are hosting the presence of God, right? Right now, you are hosting the presence of God because you are hosting the Holy Spirit within you. Amen? Now, this is kind of exciting and scary at the same time because it's, it's exciting in terms of what the Holy Spirit can do in you because where we go, he goes. But also, it's kind of, I don't know, daunting maybe is a word because, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, temptations in life, if we give in to them temptations, when we do, the Holy Spirit is there with us. You know, where you go, the Holy Spirit goes. What you see, the Holy Spirit sees. And what you hear, the Holy Spirit hears. So that's encouraging and, cha- and very challenging, isn't it, at the same time? Where you go, the Holy Spirit goes. What, what you see, the Holy Spirit sees. And what you hear, the Holy Spirit hears. Okay? And if you're really struggling with some stuff in your life right now, don't, be, don't feel guilty. Remember, there's no condemnation. I'll always come back to that. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 makes that so clear. Okay, but this, but, uh, but for me personally, this this helps me deal with temptations. It's like if if Jesus was physically sitting next to me, we know Jesus was with us. If he's physically sitting next to me, or was here, would would I, would I do something different in this situation? Well, the Holy Spirit is with you. Yeah. I know Jesus is always with us as well. He never leaves or forsakes us. Okay, and it's all the Trinity anyway. And the Father's always with us as well. Of course, they all are. They're all omnipresent. Okay, but the Holy Spirit is literally inside you, and that can change your thinking about when it comes to temptation. It's like. Well, whatever happens here, the Holy Spirit is going to be there. Is going to be there with me, right? It's challenging, right? But also very encouraging as well in terms of the way the Holy Spirit empowers us. But I've had to learn a lot about that that personally, and but it's also really, you know, my own personal relationship with God just really helped me in that. Knowing what I see, He sees; where I go, He goes; what I hear, He hears. Amen. So let's be let's be challenged by that because the Holy Spirit does convict us. Remember, not condemn. Conviction and condemnation are two very, very different things. Sounds, words sound similar, but two very, very different things. The devil will try and condemn us, tell us we're no good, we're a rubbish Christian, God will never accept us, all that kind of stuff. That's condemnation. What conviction is, is, is you becoming aware or, or reminding you that what you're, what you're doing is going to separate you from God. And you need, to, you need to put things right. It's not condemnation, but you do need to put it right. Does that make sense? They're two, they're two similar words, but mean very, very different things. Okay, conviction again is all about relationship. Condemnation is what is is about religion. Again, but anyway, that's kind of that's kind of a that's a whole other message in there. But there's two kind of main aspects I want to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Okay, so what, firstly, the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us and equips us. And you can read lots of different contexts or scriptures we can look at for this. But Acts chapter two is kind of the big one. You know, we're a Pentecostal church. We believe in what happened at Pentecost, and we believe this is still an ongoing thing that can happen 2,000 years later. This wasn't just a once-in-a-time, you know, once-in-a-lifetime thing that happened here in the book of Acts. You know, it's something that God can still do in our life today. The Holy Spirit still wants to empower us. Amen? So when the day of Pentecost came, it's Acts 2, 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here there's a a physical manifestation of of, of the Holy Spirit being filled. So when you became a Christian, and some Christians get confused about this, it's important to be clear. When you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came 
and was resident within you. Okay? But then there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is all about empowering us. Okay? Which, is, which is what happened, what happened here. Does that make sense? They are, two, they are two different things. Everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? If, you, if you call yourself a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Even if you don't understand that, you're, you, it's still a reality. It's like some Christians, they don't like the term born-again Christians. I'm not into kind of labels. But the reality is all Christians are born again. If you're a Christian, you are born again. I don't care. It doesn't matter what labels you use. Or whether you, it, it, it's never been about labels. Anyway, and I know often the world uses it as a derogatory term. Don't they? Oh, you're one of those born-again <laughs> born again Christians. And they kind of roll their eyes when they say it. Um, but the reality, if you're a Christian, you are born again. You've been made new. You're a brand new creation. Whether you use that term or not, it's still the reality. You know, and, and if you're a believer, then also you've been filled with the Holy Spirit when you became a Christian. But this is talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the way the Holy Spirit empowers us and comes upon us and empowers us. And this is what happened here, where, there's a, where it came upon the disciples. Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come and, and empower them. And you know, there was a violent wind, a bit like the last couple of days, there was some violent wind. <laughs> last couple of, it was a crazy few days, isn't it? Freezing cold and crazy storms, but not as bad as some parts of the country. But anyways, in this context, there was a violent wind uh, that came from heaven. And so there's a physical manifestation of that. But what, what is amazing, what happens here, is, is just the, what the, the change it produces in the disciples. You know, sometimes we can have like such a rose, I think we can have such a rose-tinted view of the, the disciples. And we kind of forget that they were just ordinary people yeah. who did extra, extraordinary things. They were just ordinary people. They're, they're fishermen. They're just... You know, Matthew was a tax collector, hated by the people as tax collectors worked because they were seen as traitors because they worked for the Romans. So hated by the people. Some of them were just Peter, James, John, all fishermen. So they're just, just kind of everyday people, but, but God used them to turn the world upside down. Yeah. Amen? And I want to look particularly at, um, at kind of Peter and what happens in, in here in the book of Acts in this account. Now, Peter has kind of a bit of a checkered history Again, he, he was a fisherman. Um, he wore his heart on his sleeve. Um, I don't know if any of you, anyone watched The Chosen? Has anyone seen that? It's really, really good. Really good, The Chosen. It's great. I'd re- highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, it's all about, about Jesus' journey with the disciples and all about what Jesus did. It's been put into TV form, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you can stream it. But it's great. You can find it on YouTube and various other places. It's all free. It's all free. But anyway, it's great. Anyway, but you kind of see Peter's history and... And Peter, and a lot of the disciples actually had issues, <laughs> had kind of stuff going on in the world. But Peter had a bit of a checkered history. Peter very much wore his heart on his sleeve. He was very impetuous. He kind of said the first thing that came into his head, didn't think it, didn't think it through. And, and that got him into trouble sometimes. There were, there were times when he was basically telling Jesus what to do. When Jesus said he was going to go to the cross, Peter was like, no, you're not. <laughs> All right, okay, okay. That's why Jesus said, get behind me, get behind me, Satan. Um, I don't believe he was specifically calling Peter Satan there. I believe what he was doing there was talking to Satan because Satan was trying to tempt him not to go to the cross. Okay? I don't think he was just being rude because that's not Jesus, right? But, but he, Peter had a history of telling Jesus what to do when Jesus came and kind of, you know, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet and then and Peter kind of got all a bit carried away. Like, you know, first he said, oh, you can't wash me. Oh, I'm not going to be washed by you, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worthy. And then, and then, and Jesus was like, no, this is the right thing to do. He's like, oh, well, wash all of me then. So he just kind of went, well, was always going off on one. So he was always missing the point. And then, of course, there was a denial of Jesus, wasn't there? And, and he wasn't obviously the only disciple that denied Jesus. They all, they all, they all obviously Judas betrayed him, and the other 11 all legged it, didn't they, when Jesus got arrested. 
Um, but Jesus specifically said that Peter was going to Peter was going to deny him, and Peter being Peter, oh, I'll never do that. Even if everyone else runs away, that will never be me. Just saying the first thing that comes into his head. <laughs> Bless him. Um, so his mouth often got him into trouble. Um, but what happens here? We're kind of not dissing Peter this morning. <laughs> well, I'm saying this is to encourage you, because he had he had a whole load of issues, as did many of the other disciples. And there was issues going on even between the he really the chosen really picks up on that the rivalry between the disciples. Um, there were two of the disciples, which is um, is it James and John, isn't it? Who want to be uh, the mother of James and John? Basically, say, oh yeah, who's going to be first in their kingdom? And Jesus was like, was like, what do you want about? Because <laughs> like, um, like, there was just kind of a rivalry going on between the disciples. The other disciples got annoyed with James and John because they've been asking Jesus this question: who's going to sit at the right hand of the Father? It's like there's all this, ri- all this rivalry, testosterone kind of stuff that happens between blokes. <laughs> like who's the who, who's the alpha male? That kind of stuff. So there's all kind of interesting stuff, all interesting stuff going on there. But Jesus used these people to turn the world upside down. Yeah. Amen. This is what should encourage you this morning. And of course, there were ladies. There were ladies as well. It's just obviously, it talks, Bible talks mainly about the 12 male disciples, but of course, there were ladies. You see that and really see that they're chosen as well. Um, like Mary and Martha and Mary Magdalene, etc. Anyway, so Peter kind of had a bit of a checkered history, but what's amazing is the change in Peter after he'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's a total radical change in him. So he'd gone from this guy who was just impetuous to this, this fisherman who. Had his good days and had his bad days when it came to listening to Jesus. You know, he was the one who got out of the boat when Jesus said, come out to me on the water. So he did have his great moments. And he was the one who was, you know, when Jesus said about, you know, they, they'd been fishing, been fishing all night. And the fishermen would have known the, you know, the, you know, the uh, Lake of Galilee kind of inside out. But they caught any fish, hadn't caught any fish. And Jesus said, you know, put your nets on the other side. Peter was obedient to that. Not all the other disciples were. So Peter had some great moments as well. He had obviously the great revelation of you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus asked about who he was, the other disciples didn't say a word. So he had some great, amazing moments as well. But he did have a whole load of issues. But the change in him, when, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, was just, was just amazing. The way, the way it empowered him and equipped him. Acts, Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus predicted this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you'll be our witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. The amazing boldness and courage that comes upon Peter as the Holy Spirit em- empowered him. And there's a great, you can read about this in Acts 2, there's that great speech that he makes talking about the Holy Spirit and um, how it had been prophesied that on the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon all, all flesh, etc. You can read that at the end of Acts chapter 2. In Acts, Acts 3, there's a great healing takes place. But, this, but it's just amazing how much change there has been in Peter. It's Acts 3, verse 1 to 10. It records this, one day Peter and John, so that's John, who was also a disciple. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple courts, was being carried to the temple gates, sorry, called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them uh, for money. This is, what the, this is what the Holy Spirit, this is how the Holy Spirit changes people. Amen. Verse four, Peter looked straight at him as said John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold, because the man, basically the man is just after money. He's not even after healing. He's just, he's just, just begging, right? Then Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. 
Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Amen. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. So you can see what's, but the difference here in Peter is incredible, isn't it? This is the same guy wears his heart on a sleeve, gets himself into trouble, orders Jesus around. You know what I mean? Got a whole load of, got a whole load of issues. But now the Holy Spirit has come upon him and, and equipping him and, and empowering him, and he's just a totally different guy. The, the boldness he has, the courage he has, the obedience to, to, to listen to God here, and that God wanted this guy healed. As I said, the guy wasn't even after healing, was he? It makes that really clear. He was just, he was just a beggar. He was just asking, he was hoping that Peter and John would give him some money. So, so Peter and John were also operating in obedience to the Holy Spirit. But the change it produced in them is amazing. And, you know, and the Holy Spirit wants to change you. The Holy Spirit wants to change me, and he wants to change you. You know, the reality is, in this situation that Peter and John find themselves, we can do what Peter did. Everyone agree? Amen? So remember, let's not look at this all rose-tinted spectacles thing. Well, I could never do those type of things. These, these, were, just, these were just amazing people. I, I could never meet up to their stands. No, they're ordinary people who did extraordinary things because of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen? We can do what Peter did, and not because of our own ability, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. What is your, here's a question for you, a challenge. What is your perception of what God can do in your life? Big question. I think you need to answer. Not right now, I don't need to put your hand up or do anything else. But, but think about that. What is your perception of what God can do in your life? Because your perception of what God can do in your life is going to have a huge impact on what God can actually do in your life. I'm serious. Because if you think, well, well, I could never do that for God, well, you're, probably, you're never going to do that for God. I could never do what Peter did. Well, you're, we're never going to do those things. Because, because your perception is wrong. We need to, we need to you know, get a God perception you know, upon our lives about what the Holy Spirit can do and how the, how the Holy Spirit can change us and transform us. We're, we're ordinary people. We can do extraordinary things. Amen? Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he empowers us. Amen? I would agree. Amen. So let's believe for that. Romans 8 verse 11, Paul wrote this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. We have to remind ourselves of this stuff. So the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit who lives in us. So whenever we go into a situation or God's asked us to do things, we, th- we think, well, I could never do that. Are you really saying that the same Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, beat the power of death? Once and for all, there's no one else that's risen from the dead. Not, not by themselves. Obviously, Lazarus and others, Jesus, Jesus rose from the dead. But no one, no one has just ever done that themselves. No other human being has ever happened to him. Amen, right? It was all because of the Holy Spirit within Jesus. So that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside us. We have to remind ourselves of these truths. Remember, not, not just to be, again, just some kind of theology. Oh, yeah, I understand that. No, this, God wants you just to be a reality in your lives. You understand this. Amen? It's an everyday reality for you. The same Holy Spirit dwells within you. He will give life to these mortal bodies we have through his Spirit. Amen? I just want to read just a, um, just a little passage from um, Pastor Andy's Breakfast of Champions that he sends out every day because it really blessed me. It's a lot talking about this particular scripture and I believe it's a bless you. So it says this. Talking about Romans 8, verse 11, we just read, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is in us. The same spirit, think about that for a moment, 
The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Wow. Suddenly, the previously settled dimensions of what causes things to be possible and impossible for you begin to change and realign before your very eyes. That is why Paul could confidently say, I can do all things. Let him finish his statement and you will see why. Because he said, through Christ who gives me strength. It was Paul's revelation of the indwelling spirit of the resurrection life of Christ that brought him to this, brought him to this absolute understanding. That same revelation is ours to own today. It's continuing Breakfast of the Champions. His spirit causes things to live. It says, if he lives in you, he causes life in your mortal body. So, that, so the truth is that if his life-giving spirit is resident in your life, he will make everything come alive, such as visions, dreams, and your health, etc. Truly everywhere the river of his presence is allowed to flow, it brings life and raises things from a dead state. That's kind of the end of the quote from Breakfast of Champions. Amen? So the Holy Spirit wants to bring life within you. Those situations may be going through some real stuff right now and it, and, and, and it feels dead. The situation feels impossible. It feels just, you just cannot try and fathom, try and work out what God is going to do. You don't need to work it out anyway. Sometimes well, that's our own, we're our own worst enemies with that army because we try and work it out. But God wants to bring life. The Holy Spirit will bring life to you. If you've got visions and, and dreams for your life and believe things that you believe God wants to do, let's, let's believe that God's going to bring life to those situations. Amen? It causes life in your, in your mortal body. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you take anything else away from this morning, take that away from you. It's the same Holy Spirit. Amen? So don't ever say, there's something I cannot, if God's asked me to do this, I cannot do it. Because you're literally, this is the truth for me, I don't want to be harsh in saying this, but you're literally saying, well, I know the Holy Spirit could do that for Jesus, and I know he could do that for disciples, but he couldn't do that for me. That's literally almost like trying to, um, you know, the Bible says don't quench the Holy Spirit. It's almost a quenching, isn't it? The power of the Holy Spirit. It's saying, well, yeah, I, I know what it's done for other people, but he can't do that for me. No, of course he can do it for you. Amen? So let's be a people that are always understand that if God asks us to do something, we absolutely can do it. Not because of our own ability. Our own ability often gets in the way, but because of God's, God's ability. Amen? Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Amen? So do we understand these realities? Do we think they are true for someone else, but not for us? God wants this to become a reality in your life. Not to be some kind of just theology that's just out there, but to be a reality in you. The same Holy Spirit will change you. And the same Holy Spirit that changed their disciples and all the great stuff they did throughout the New Testament. And there's, there's loads of you know, different accounts we could look at, the way the Holy Spirit changed, changed Paul. And of course, he had the, the encounter with Jesus. Holy Spirit came and dwelt within him. He was saved. Holy Spirit came and dwelt within him. And Paul, again, totally different guy. Amen? It's a transforming work of the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit empowered him. Amen? Praise God. So whatever God's asking you to do, whatever God's asking you to do tomorrow, whatever he's asking you to do today, next week, you can do it. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Amen? Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. Amen? Just one other thing I just wanted to mention. I know time's going really quick today it's also about the way the Holy Spirit transforms us as well as the Holy Spirit empowering us he also transforms us so God wants to change you and God wants to change you in two different ways because he wants you to understand he wants you to change in the way that you uh, the way that we often rely on our own ability or think that we can't do things and to have a revelation of this that we can do all things to him who gives us strength that same Holy Spirit dwells in us but he also wants to change you and change your character challenging stuff isn't it but this is the reality, is the Holy Spirit wants to change us. 
It's the Holy Spirit's desire to transform us and to make us more like Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Read from Galatians, uh, Galatians 5. It says this. Paul wrote this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to, to the flesh. Flesh is just talking about what our own kind of natural desires might be. They are in conflict with each other so that you're not, you do not do whatever you want. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. It's like a description of our world in 2021. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The issues that were issues for... You know, when Paul was writing this 2,000 years ago, they're still the same issues isn't it? there are today. So Paul's just talking about what the acts of the flesh look like. But, verse 22, but for us who are, who are believers, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, but the fruit of the Spirit is totally different to the fruit of the flesh. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Amen? God wants to live, us to live a life that's also led by the Spirit, to, to change us. It talks to about the acts of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. These are not nine separate fruit to pick and choose. Well, you know, I, I love a bit of peace, but I can't do self-control. You know, that's kind of mi- missing the point. Okay, these, are one, these are one fruit, okay? not things to pick and choose. The Holy Spirit wants to produce all of those nine in us. I always think they're, I always think they're just a great description of Jesus, aren't they? Because remember, remember the... The main purpose of us having a relationship with God is loads of things God wants us to do for us, for him, as we've just been talking about. Okay? But, the, but the main purpose of our relationship with God is to make us more and more like Jesus. As that's God's main agenda for your life. <laughs> if you didn't know what God's purpose for your life is, his main purpose and his main agenda is to make you more and more like Jesus. So, take, so we're talking about love and joy and peace and patience. This is basically a description of Jesus, isn't it? He's, he was totally full of love. It's because he was driven by the Holy Spirit. He's totally driven by love and by compassion. He was always full of joy and incredible peace through every situation, including horrendous stuff that he had to go through. He, he was always faithful. He was gentle. He had remarkable self-control. He, he, he was always kind. This is who Jesus was, amen? And he had joy in it all. It says, the Bible says, even for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even through the cross, he had joy because of the Holy Spirit because he knew what was coming the other side. He knew that it was going to be the redemption of the human race. Amen. So Jesus was led, to the, led, was led by the Spirit. Let's be people who allow the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do in us. John 14, verse 26, when Jesus said about the Holy Spirit was going to come, he said this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, so again, you've got the, there's, a, there's a Trinity, Trinitarian in the Scripture again, so the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, Jesus. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit wants to teach you in these areas. You know, he wants to, in fact, he wants to teach you on a daily basis as you face the challenges of life. Sometimes life is challenging, right? I'm going to agree. Sometimes life is challenging. We're facing challenges in your life right now. Like it's, like it's not that warm. <laughs> That's a challenge, isn't it? But how do we respond to those challenges? Now, for example, someone cuts... These, these are very real... Let's be real about this. So someone cuts you up on the road. How do we respond? Do we respond with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Or do we respond in the way that, do we, do we respond in the flesh? Let's be real about this stuff. 
Because this is about, this is where the rubber kind of hits the road. I'm not trying to use a pun. I was talking about ropes. But anyway, this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? On this stuff. Because the Holy Spirit wants, wants to change our character. He wants to change us. And we, we, as Christians, we basically all need to be good with that, the fact that God wants to change us. Because that's, that's his agenda, is to make us more and more like Jesus. So when someone's not nice to you at work, when someone gossips about you, when someone's, someone's not nice to you, how do we react? What do we do? Someone spreads rumors about you. You know, someone is, uh, um, you know, doesn't deal with you emotionally. Someone, someone lets, doesn't deal with you emotionally well. Someone, someone lets you down. Your husband or wife says something that you don't like. How, generally, what do we do? Well, this is the scripture here is talking about this is how we should react. Amen? As the Holy Spirit produces this in us. So he wants to, he wants to change us. He wants to empower us so that we can do all that, he, all that he desires for us to do. All he's asking us to do is just like Peter was totally transformed. But also he wants to change our character. He wants to transform us and he wants to empower us. And that's what the, the, the different aspects of the Holy Spirit. But they're kind of the main two aspects, what the Holy Spirit does. As you go through the challenges of life, do respond with the fruit of the Spirit. You know, this all comes back to living subject to the Spirit. To the Spirit, Paul, Paul talks there about being led. The Scriptures looked at being led by the Spirit. Basically, who is who is the boss? This is kind of, a, to me, it's, it's quite simple. And this is what I say to some people pastorally: Who is the boss in your life? Big question, but I'm serious. Serious question: Who is the boss in your life? Is it is it is it kind of our mind, our will, and our emotions? Basically, our soul, or is it the Holy Spirit? Right. And so often, this is why this is why we can feel in life that we're going through a battle. People often call it the battlefield of the mind. We can feel like we're going, th- we're going through a battle in life. Because there's this, basically this constant struggle that happens between our soul and our spirit. And what I want to say to you as a pastor, and I've had to learn this, absolutely had to learn this myself, absolutely, is, is a way to successful Christian living is just to let the Holy Spirit win that battle. Just let him win. There's only going to be one winner anyway. So you just, you're, basically you're fighting it. I'm serious. You're fighting a losing battle. So let's just let the Holy Spirit win. Because you can either just do the very long, you can either do this the easy way or the hard way. The hard way is battle, 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 year after year after year after year. Or the easy way is Holy Spirit, you win. I'm serious. Because then, then the battle's over, right? You know, this is exactly what Jesus was dealing with at Gethsemane, wasn't it? The battle between his soul, knowing what, what, the, what the, the soul, what it was going to do to his mind and will and emotions going to the cross. And just how horrendous it was, not just in a physical sense, although that was horrific, it was a horrendous form of execution. But, but all that it was going to mean on an emotional level and just in, in every sense. And all the disciples letting him down and you know, no one was there for him. His mum kind of having to watch the whole kind of thing as he hung naked on a cross, just the humiliation of it all. And you know, the Jewish leaders should have been the very people who understood who he was or just there mocking him. You know what I mean? All that kind of stuff in his soul... Yeah, in fact, if we were in that situation, our soul, you wouldn't want to do that, right? And this is, this is what was happening, you know, at Gethsemane, the day before the cross. But praise God, his spirit went out, the Holy Spirit went out. Jesus said, not, not, not my will, but yours, but yours be done. Amen? But if there's an ongoing battle in your life, I want to say to you, just, just let the Holy Spirit win. It's just so much, it's so much easier. It will save you so much pain, save you so much grief. It will save God having to discipline you, take you through situations in order to teach you who's the boss. Because we can just let him be the boss anyway. And he won't have, to, won't have to teach you in other different ways. Amen? Because there's only ever going to be one winner anyway. Amen? Because remember, God's agenda is to make you more and more Christ-like. So the Holy Spirit desires to empower you 
and he desires to transform me. This is what the Holy Spirit does within us. That same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Amen. Now, I know time is going, but I believe it would be really good just to pray for some people this morning. You know, maybe you've never, ever been filled with the Holy Spirit before. And with the Holy, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you. That's absolutely right. But maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God wants you to know that empowering in your life. Or maybe you just need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're feeling a bit dry. Maybe you're just feeling you need more of God. I'd encourage you to get prayed for as well. See the Holy Spirit just, just, just refilling you. Maybe there's some character changes, the stuff we talked about here in the fruit of the Spirit, some stuff that God needs to change into you. I'd encourage you to be prayed for as well. Let's see those things change in Jesus' name. Yeah. Amen. Let's see the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So the worship team is going to, or Ian's is going to lead us in some, some worship. And as he, as he does, I'd really encourage you, if that's you, just to, just to come forward this morning. Yeah, and let's see these things dealt with. And let's, let's see you filled with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need, I need the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need to be empowered by him, and we need to be changed, changed by him in every day of our lives. And you can just look at what, what people did, what, what Paul did, what, what Peter did, and all the disciples, because they had their character changed, and they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They turned the world upside down. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be judging any churches when I say this. I'm just saying it. <laughs> okay. in, in, our, in our world, particularly in our, our type of church, as I say, there's a lot of kind of stuff this day, these days you kind of hear about living the best you, living your best life. It is everywhere. Okay? I'm not criticizing any, and I've got nobody, in, no pastors in my head when I'm saying this, okay? or churches in my head. Okay, but you hear a lot of this stuff, living the best you. It's about living your best life. And I kind of think, hang on a minute, is this really... Is this, is this really correct? Because I'm not sure it is. You know, it's not about just trying to make yourself a better person. If you're trying to make yourself a better person, you're going you're gonna to fail. Yeah. It's about the Holy, what the Holy Spirit who's within us, the change that he wants to produce in you. He wants to make you more and more like Jesus. Yeah. And we need to do this in, in, the, in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, we, as, a course, as a church, we believe in discipleship. We, we do discipleship courses and all that kind of stuff. But even a discipleship course cannot do what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? Does that make sense? Because otherwise you're just, getting, just learning more stuff, becoming more knowledgeable, but it can't do what the Holy Spirit can do, which is totally transform you. Amen? Praise God. There's many people who are empowered and, and, and transformed by him. Amen. So I encourage you to, to don't be embarrassed. Come forward. Let's fill you with the Holy Spirit. Let's see life change. Let's all, let's all stand and we'll join this worship song together. Thank you. Thank you, God. Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what the Holy Spirit does. Lord, you've ministered to us right throughout this service the holy spirit is moved lord i thank you for those being filled and refilled lord with the holy spirit this morning we thank you for what your holy spirit does and i pray lord we be lord a body of people lord that are led by the spirit not led by anything else not led by our flesh not led by our soul what our mind our will and emotions want to do lord we're led by the spirit lord we allow you to be the boss lord in that in that battle that can take place we'll just let you win lord god lord we want to be led by you 
And I pray every single one of us, Lord, that our character be transformed by you. Be full of love and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit. Make us more like you. Make us more and more Christ-like. Lord, every situation, every challenge we face, Lord, and there can be difficulties, Lord God. Lord, we face and in, in interacting with others and in just in different aspects of life. But I pray, God, that you use those situations, Lord, to develop character in us, to make us more like you. And I pray you will empower us, Lord, in the Holy Spirit. Lord, just we saw in Peter how you transformed his character, but also how he was empowered by you. That incredible healing, Lord, that took place and the, the great way you used his life, Lord God. But as a way, Lord, you just empowered him. He was able to do things, Lord, beyond his own abilities, Lord. And we need you. We need your empowering, Lord God. We don't want to do things in our own strength. We don't want to just try and live our best life, just trying a bit harder. Lord God, it has to be you. It has to be your Holy Spirit changing us. It has to be us being subject to your Holy Spirit. Lord, nothing else, Lord, is going is to cut it other than that. Thank you, Jesus. Transform us and empower us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is so good.